He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there He lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By His blessing they multiply greatly, and He does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, He pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But He raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. You can be seated. Thank you, uh, Pastor Nate and Ben, for leading us as we sing songs of worship. Today we are continuing our series, uh, Thankful. The, the, the title today is Say It. And uh, we've been in this series, but this is also the banner over this year. Uh, we've chosen Thankful. We have the t-shirts that say Thankful on the back. We want to be people whose mouths are open with the thanks and our hearts are full of the thanks that God so greatly deserves. Before we dig into this beautiful, rich psalm, I want to take a moment to to pray for Pastor David and his family. If you received the email he sent out on Monday, uh, he is is sick. He's sick with COVID, and so uh, they're in both quarantine and, and going going through all this. They know, he knows, he's feeling the love of uh, the church family they are. And uh, they, they know that you are praying for, for them, that we are praying for them. Let's do that uh, right now. Heavenly Father, we do pray for Pastor David, and we thank you for how you use him in our lives each week in preaching uh, from your word and, and in shepherding. We pray for health for him and for his family. Pray, Lord, for uh, comfort and just an awareness of uh, love from us. Help us to love them well uh, in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, this, this psalm, the last word, the last uh, sentence I read to you from this psalm, I got to finish it, is let them, let the wise consider the steadfast love of the Lord. The psalm begins by saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. The steadfast love of God is the theme of this psalm. If I were to ask you, where is that verse that talks about the steadfast love of God and and how it is forever? I could ask 30 of you, and you could give me different answers, all correct. Because it's all throughout the Scripture. You could say, oh, that's in Second Chronicles 20, or Psalm 89, or Psalm 100, or 106, or 107, or 117, or 118, or Psalm 136 has that very statement. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. For His steadfast love endures forever 26 times in the same psalm. It's a point we're not supposed to miss. It's all throughout Scripture. 
Because it's all throughout life. Because it's all throughout time. 3,000 years ago, His steadfast love. He is good. Today, His steadfast love. He is good. 3,000 years from now, 10,000 years from now, all who are in Christ will still be saying, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. We brought this up last week as we talked about the word steadfast. But there's that word endures. Endures means you go through difficult things. You, you, you continue on. His steadfast love continues on despite circumstances, despite opposition, despite us. He is good. It's who He is. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. Now, the, 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 the group of people who are saying this is, or that they're being addressed is, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those who've been delivered, those who have um, been saved, let the redeemed, we can focus on that word redeemed, but don't miss the phrase that's right after it. Let the redeemed of the Lord. There is nothing that could be better said about you than that you are in Christ of the Lord. There's no higher. This is not an exaggeration. It's not one of these just getting excited in the moment saying something bigger than it is. No, there is no higher blessing that you have than that God should say of you, I am their God and they are my people. That's tremendous. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who He has redeemed, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Four directions listed. All directions. He's gathered them in. Psalm 106 starts the exact same way as Psalm 107. Psalm 106 starts, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Same thing in Psalm 107. But Psalm 106 seems to be a psalm from exile. Psalm 107, a a celebration that He has redeemed and gathered His people. And you have four directions. And now it's about to go into four situations of dire distress from which He has rescued. Four directions. Now let me give you four pictures of the rescuing of God. We're going to notice all four of these are going to be really desperate. Really desperate situations. There was a time, one time that we were driving along. You just know, The things we talk about sometimes. Uh, it was me and Pastor Nate and Jake. If you know Jake, he's now the, the campus uh, minister at the BCM at EKU. And Jake and Pastor Nate and I were driving along and somehow the topic came up have you all ever almost died? And, uh, and Pastor Nate starts off and shares this story about how he fell inside a silo. People die from that. Like it was, and, and how the one spot that he landed was the one spot without, it was like the one safe spot. We almost didn't have Pastor Nate. And then, Jake shares about this time they were out on the, on the coast, on the west coast, and there were these rocks, and he decided he would just do some rock climbing, no ropes or anything, and just climb up this cliff. 
And he climbs up, and at the very end, there's this thing that's called a jug hold, if we have any climbers in there, where you can just put both hands on it and lift yourself up. And so he, with his, you know, Jake physique, puts both hands up there, lifts himself up, and the rock breaks off in his hands. And, he, and this is like the rocky coast. And he fell, like in the one little spot between rocks, broke both of his arms. We almost didn't have Jake. I'm thinking, I have nothing like that. Like, I, like I'm very thankful that like my, my biggest... Now, this week, I will say, this week, one morning, perhaps it was you, white car, drives like a sports car, it was still dark, I didn't see it coming. I was meeting somebody, I was doing a U-turn, whoa, right? But nothing near as impressive as falling in a silo or falling uh, to near death, you know, or to death on, on the rocks in the California beach. These are four desperate situations. Let's go through them. First one we find in in verse 4. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. You might say, well, this reminds me of the Israelites wandering about in the wilderness. Yeah, there's a lot of things reminiscent in this psalm. You're going to have... A uh, part that's reminiscent of Jonah. You have something that re- makes you think of Nebuchadnezzar, perhaps, or the Israelites in captivity. But we can just think of this generally as this is a desperate situation, some wandering in desert wastes. Pastor David sh- talked about um, being lost, not in desert wastes, in Clay County. Uh, he was lost uh, you know, without cell phone reception, trying to make it to a funeral. This happened just, uh, I think, a, mo- a little more than a month ago. I have a story like that. I had a van, one of these church vans, full of international students. We were going to the 150th uh, reenactment of our 50th anniversary reenactment of the Battle for Kentucky, uh, the Battle of Perryville. That's how I would say it. I found out the local pronunciation, Perville. So I'm trying to, here I am in, in Perville, Kentucky, or not in Perville, somewhere close to Perville. I don't know where I am. I'm lost. No cell phone signal. I had to pull into someone's driveway. It's just some random stranger. Hey, can you help me find the battle? They told me yes. He actually gave me great, great directions. I go, and, and, but I find the battlefield. But instead of finding like the entrance in the parking lot, all of a sudden, I'm among the Union troops. There's <laughs> cannons and there's people. The funny thing is that this last hour, we had somebody um, who's now part of our church who participates in these reenactments. And I told him this story this year. Now this happened, what, six, seven, eight, I don't know, ten years ago. And I tell him this, and his response was, that was you? Like, he remembered me. He was part of the Union Troops. Like, who's this guy driving with this van through here? Um, but being lost without cell phone connection in Kentucky is nothing compared to this. You take that phone away, it doesn't matter, I have no signal. Take the van away, and then take away the lush, green, Kentucky, not even a need for a sprinkler system, climate away. And give me instead a Middle Eastern desert waste. And this is now desperate. I have got to find civilization. People die in the wilderness. Second story. This is verse 10, uh, 10. 
Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So He bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. This is a desperate situation as well. Martin Lloyd-Jones says about the first one that the first one is a situation with too much room. Out in the wilderness, in the waste. Where's, where's, the, where's the city? This one has civilization. But this one has not enough room. I find myself feeling confined when I have a long car ride. Driving for hours. I have to feel, feel, feel that I'm getting a little bit older when I get out. I have to stretch out the hip. Confined. Or I've been on long plane rides. Been to East Asia twice. If you've been there, you know what it's like. I'm confined to a jet with air conditioning. Food served to me and I feel confined. This is in darkness. Some sat in darkness in the shadow of death. Yes, this is a death situation. Prisoners in affliction and in irons. This is not eight hours in confinement. This is perhaps years. Desperation. Verse 17. Some were fooled. Oh, and I should say on that last one that we had, it's not just, oh yeah, somebody kidnapped me and put me in this prison. But it says very clearly, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. I, if I'm in that situation, I can't say, somebody did this to me, I'm a victim. I'm a criminal. And that's why I'm here. That's part of the affliction. Verse 17 is similar. Some were fools because of their sinful ways. And because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food. They lost all their appetite. They drew near to the gates of death. Perhaps you have been deathly sick. And you can immediately think of that time. Right? Bible does is very clear that not all sickness is because of affliction. You can't say that, oh, someone's sick. Oh, that's because somebody somebody did wrong. I mean, in the biggest sense, it's because of sin in the world. But no, you can't one to one. But this particular situation is: some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquity, suffered affliction. You could think all of these in sort of a metaphorical way, and also literal. They were desperate. They were near death. Let's talk about the fourth one. We find this in verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. He commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. God's sovereign over all of this. And this situation is His command. The the, the the sea is raised up. This is the part that's maybe reminiscent of Jonah. And it could very well be that it's because of sins that this is happening because it says um, their courage melted away in their evil plight. Evil plight. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. You get this poetic picture of this, of this ship being tossed 
up and down, up the wave, down the wave. The waves are way bigger than the ship. Terrifying. We have one in our, in our congregation today who will weather storms out in the water. Ricky Polkey. You can ask him, what's the worst storm you've ever been in? I'm sure he has multiple stories he could share with you. This one is terrifying. The best I have is pitiful, just like my near-death experiences. Just don't really qualify. But Spinning Mountain Reservoir, 8,000-something feet. My family, uh, family, when I was growing up, had a little boat, and we're out there. All of a sudden, this storm comes up. These reservoirs are deep. Um, though that one, I think, may not be one of those that's the, the dammed-up canyons. They can be really, really deep. Well, it just... This storm just all of a sudden just came up and it just got intense. And so we're trying to make it back. And my dad is like aiming the boat to cut the wave because if the boat gets, you know, if the wave comes to the side of the boat, there's trouble. So you're trying to slice through the waves. We're battering the up and down the cold, you know, reservoir waters coming up in, in drops towards us. And this is the situation where you say, Hey, dad. And mom says, Quiet, kids. Dad's concentrating. Paraphrase. Your dad's trying to keep us alive. Shh. All right. We made it back. I'm here. It wasn't, I, you know, it wasn't probably anything like this. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. These are four very different situations of distress. All the same in, in that they're deadly. That they're serious. But quite different. The first one, wandering about in desert wastes, has way too much sunlight. The second one, sat in darkness, wishes they could have some sunlight. Right? The first one, where's the city? Where, where's the home? Uh, where's the way? The second one, confined. Too much room, not enough room. The, the last one out on the, the ships, water is everywhere. The first one, where's the water? The third one, I'm sick, I'm going to be confined in my bed. The last one, if only I could get to my bed. Just completely different. And it's the same with us. You could talk in this room, if we had time, we could have every person who is of the Lord, who's the redeemed of the Lord, say, why don't you share with the congregation your story? And you'd hear all kinds of different stories. We have heard, we get to hear those in the baptistry when someone's baptized. We say, why don't you share with us why, how you come to be baptized today? And we've heard stories of people who grew up in devout families of another faith background where they've been taught that there is a God, a God who created the world, a God who is a judge, but you cannot know if you're going to be um, accepted by Him until you die and, and you're judged. You just need to submit and you need to do these things. And, and in, in, the, in the, the, the Muslim beliefs, that's what they were raised at, but then they heard the Gospel. We've had people who have grown up in Southern Baptist churches and they thought it was said of them as a little kid, oh, he's a good kid. What a good kid. And they just took this identity upon themselves and they thought, oh, um, if I'm a good kid, if everybody says of me, oh, he's a good guy, then that means I'm okay until they realize the Gospel and they realize that is distress. You had people who grew up in devout or in, in Hindu backgrounds and, and struggling with 
addiction. We've had all kinds of people who have various backgrounds. Our stories are different. Various distress. You might, if you're here and you're not of the Lord, you say, well, I'm not like that. I am not at that low point of distress. Maybe you're here and you feel that you're high. Hopefully not in a chemical sense. You're high, right? But maybe you're like, no, no, I'm not in that point of desperation. Well, the end of this psalm is going to say, I read it to you just a moment ago, He turns rivers into a desert. Springs of water into thirsty ground. He turns a fruitful land into a salty waste. If you have everything in your life lined up well, you've got the family, you've got the house, you've got the job, you've got the health. Everything seems to be lined up well, but you're not okay with God. The one question that matters, you will be brought low. But the same God who can bring low is the God who can lift up. Look at this. We've talked about the various distresses. Notice that there's the exact same testimony. Four very different stories. But the exact same testimony. Actually, word for word. Verse 8. Verse 13. Verse 19. And verse 28 are the exact same. Or actually, verse 6, I should say. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They cried out. They called out. That is an act of wisdom. You say, no, 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 it's an act of desperation. Yeah. If you're desperate, then you need, and you know it, and you cry out in the right direction, we call that wisdom. That's why Jesus said this. He said, I came not to... Not to call the, the, the sinners or the righteous, but sinners. Basically, it's not the, 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 sick, the healthy that need a doctor, but it's the sick. In other words, if you are sick, the worst possible scenario for you is to be asymptomatic and not know it. If you're sick and you feel it, And that drives you to the doctor and the doctor is able to identify, oh, you've got this going on in your body. That's wisdom. That We need that. And so when we get to the point of realizing we are desperate for a Savior, crying out is exactly what's needed and that's what happens in all four situations. And every single time it says, They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Not after their trouble. In their trouble. In other words, we don't fix our lives first to come to Jesus. You may say, well, uh, Pastor Todd, I'm, I'm in an addiction and I know I have to be free of this. I'm trying to get free of this and then I'm going to call out to God Um, to be, then I'm going to be his his follower. That's not how it works. You don't say, okay, my life, one time I I was meeting with with one of our our students and she had talked about baptism and we were talking and 
And she said, well, I've, I've got two problems. One of them that kind of holds me back a little bit, hesitation, we'll say a hesitation, I think that's what she said, is that I just don't think I'm worthy to be baptized. You've got it. There you go. You understand it. If you were thinking, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I, I deserve to be with Jesus. I deserve to be called of the Lord then you don't get it. And let's take some time before we you know, suggest baptism for you. Right? But when you realize, I don't belong, I don't deserve to have that banner of the Lord placed upon my life, yeah, that's, we call it grace. By the way, the steadfast love of the Lord, that word in Hebrew is hesed. When you come into the New Testament, you find this word grace that continues the theme. This love despite. As I said, the biggest sense is steadfast despite us. And so all four, it's not that the first ones find the city first and then they cry out to God. The second ones uh, become uh, free from prison and then they cry out to God. No, in the middle of their distress, they cry out to God and in all four situations, we see this. And He delivered them. From their distress. He delivers. That's who He is. Did you notice the part of this psalm in which they cried out to the Lord in their distress and He answered, oh no, not you. You're too much of a sinner. No, you didn't notice that because it's nowhere in this psalm. And if you search the pages of Scripture, you will not find anywhere that happens. Every single time that a sinner cries out to God and calls for forgiveness, He does it. That's who He is. It's all about Him. He's the Deliverer. In the first situation, they desperately need a guide to bring them back to the city. In the second situation, they're desperate for a rescuer to free them from this prison. In the third situation, they're desperate for healing. And in the last situation, they're desperate for someone to calm the seas and rescue them to dry land. And in Jesus Christ, we have exactly that. He led them by a straight way till they reach the city to dwell in. That's true of you if you are in Christ. Remember? He is sovereign. He's the one who can turn a desert, I'm sorry, a stream, a river. I grew up, half of my growing up life was in Florida. I was blessed to have a, have a canoe and, and go canoeing out on the, those much calmer waters. I do have a sinking boat story, but that's for another time. Those beautiful spring-fed rivers, the water you can just, you, if you're swimming, you can actually feel the current just coming up. He can turn rivers into a desert. Springs of water into thirsty ground. Or later on it talks about princes. that He, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. That's the part that might make you think of Nebuchadnezzar and his insanity. 
God can bring low. And remember, if you're not in Christ, He will bring you low. But it's the same God that can reverse all that, can bring up. You have the verse right after it talks about turning rivers into a desert, turns a desert into pools of water. He can turn parched land into springs of water. This is a complete change. If anybody here thinks, oh, Pastor Todd, I've ruined my life. The decisions I've made has just left destruction. I don't think that God can change my life. I think my life is irredeemable. No, it's not. Stop arguing with the words of our God. If He can change the driest place on earth, the desert of northern Chile, southern uh, Peru, where we would go, uh, where we go on, on mission, there is just dry. It's amazing because you get to drive along the, the Pacific coast to get to the city Ica. And on your, if you're driving to Ica, on your right hand side, there's nothing but water, the Pacific Ocean. And it touches nothing but sand, not a plant in sight until you get to a tributary or water coming down from out of the Andes Mountains, in which there's this strip of green. Right? He can take that dry, dry land and He can make it look like the Blue Springs, Florida. He can put an ending on your life beginning that is beautiful and amazing and brings Him glory. We call it redemption. That's what He does. You, there is nobody who has ruined their life so much. God, that's, He's in the business of this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. Desperate needing of a guide. And for all of you who are in the Lord, who is Jesus for you? He's a good shepherd. And He's guiding you on the paths of eternal life. Where He takes you is a path that never ends. And 10,000 years from now, you will be able to say, oh, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. If you're in Christ, who is Jesus to you? He's a liberator. He has brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. He shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. He has set you free from the trappings of your sin that would have pulled you down into eternal condemnation. He set you free. He breaks the bars of iron. If you're in Christ, who is Jesus to you? He is the healer that you so desperately needed, who has said the affliction of your sin shall not end in death, but I have redeemed. He took that affliction upon Himself. He served the death. It says here that uh, you drew near the gates of death. He walked through it. And He rose from the dead for you. He is the great doctor that you need. The healer that you were so desperate needed. He sent out His Word and healed them. And delivered them from their destruction. If you're in Christ, who is Jesus to you? He is the one who has calmed the storm. 
and saved you from that distress. It says He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. He brought them to their desired haven. And your home is not a stormy one. Your home is with Him, the Prince of Peace. And it's with Him forever. He has completely changed your life. You were at the gates of death. You were in absolute, utter despair. There's the people in the, in the wilderness, it's not like give them a couple days, they'll figure it out. The people that we had in the second situation, it's not the situation that, oh yeah, just give them a couple days, they'll start to feel better. The third situation is not one where they're going to, uh, or, or sorry, I, I skipped over the second. The other one's not the one where they're going to somehow find a key and get out of prison themselves. And the last situation is not one in which they're going to be able to swim to shore. Absolute, utter de- uh, devastation. Death is impending and He took the death for us. And He has saved us. And it's completely changed our story. That makes you the redeemed of the Lord. And the response that this psalm calls for has it at the beginning. I'm going to start at the end here. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Would you consider His grace this morning? Would you take a moment in your heart Mind to really mull over His steadfast love and what it means for you? If you're apart from Christ, it means that if you cry out to Him, He will deliver you. We can fix that situation today. But if you are in Christ, it means you have a forever home. Do you forever have safety? That you have an unshaken hope in Him. That your faith will never be disappointed in Him. He's your healer. He's your deliverer. He's your guide, your shepherd. He's the calmer of the seas for you. You have Him. You're the redeemed of the Lord. Psalm starts off. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. First situation. He's led them out This is what it says, let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. Second situation, let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. Third situation, again, let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, His wondrous works to the children of man. Continues, let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds in songs of joy. If there is anybody in here who thinks singing is not for me, yes it is. Maybe you've had somebody near to you who said singing's not for you. Don't listen to them. Squawk, squeak. Whatever it is, songs of joy. Sing about what He's done for you. Fourth situation. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. Continues. Let them extol Him in the congregation of the people. Praise Him in the assembly of the elders. 
In other words, part of the reason why we gather together on a weekly, part of the reason why we need the gathering together each week is because of this group setting in which we tell of His wondrous ways. There's something different. You know, notice that the psalm does not begin saying, Oh, be grateful to the Lord, for He is good. No, it says, oh, give thanks. That's an action. We speak, we open our mouth, we give thanks. And it's not just, oh, in our own private room, we give thanks. Though we do. And some in our church family aren't able to get out. They're in, in a nursing home environment. And they're not, or, or for whatever health reason, they're not able to get out. But when we're able to gather, we're able to be in the assembly of the elders, in the congregation of the people, and speak of His wondrous deeds. And that's good for all of us. My faith is strengthened when I hear you talk about what God has done for you. And your faith is strengthened when I speak of what God has done. That's part of how we grow in Christ together, which is why in the essentials diagram that we uh, use, if you haven't seen it, let me just tell you about it. One of the things that you see in that diagram that's all about growing in Christ together is the weekly gathering in worship. We see of what God's doing. But it's not just here. It's not just amongst us that we speak of His goodness. It's every opportunity we have. When's the last time you were able to share with someone what God has done for you? I'm not saying necessarily your 20-minute version of your life story. Just somehow that God has forgiven your sins, or God has accepted you, or God has helped you. Let's open our mouths and speak. Give thanks to the Lord. He's good. His steadfast love is your story. His steadfast love is what makes you who you are. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You, God, for Your goodness and that we get to talk about it. Help us, Lord, to tell of Your goodness this week and every week to come. Amen.